Enjoy the game by Lionel Burney. Chapter 13 Losing a Son. Luther Blissett played with the sort of desire and determination that made supporters fall in love. The crowd buzzed, not just when he had the ball, but also when he was chasing it. Whenever there was a pass over the top or one threaded into the channel, Luther would be in pursuit, no matter how hopeless the cause. When it was played up to Ross Jenkins, Blissett would be on his toes and away, peeling off his marker, trying to open up some space or get to the far post. He would close down defenders with a terrier-like zeal, sprinting back and forwards between them hoping to force a mistake, and he would keep running until he was exhausted, knowing that most of the time the opposition would tire before him. The reason Blissett did all that running was the promise of a chance to score. One of Graham Taylor's sayings was, If you don't shoot, you don't score. Well, give Blissett the fuzziest sight of goal, and he'd have a go even if he did blast it wide or hit the centre of the Watford Observer clock on the rookery stand roof on occasion. It did nothing to diminish the buzz the next time he got the ball. Blissett was one of those players who made exciting things happen, but his appeal was based on more than that anticipation. He refused to give in, even when it was not his day, and that was a spirit that typified the Watford team. Luther never turned down a shooting opportunity, says Wilf Rostron. Even if he was having a nightmare and missed one, he'd still be up for it the next time. He was brave enough to miss and keep shooting, and that's what you want from your forwards. At their best, Luther and Ross were fantastic. Luther was powerful and quick. Ross was superb controlling the ball on his chest and his knee. The way we played, the forwards could make you look crap if they didn't make the runs. If I knocked a ball into the space I was supposed to hit, and they hadn't made the run they were supposed to make, who does the crowd moan at? Me, because it looks like a bad pass. Luther and Ross didn't make us look bad very often. They knew where my first pass would be, and they would be on their way. If I overhit it, or underhit it, that was my problem. They never complained. They kept making the runs, and they were a dream to play with. Luther was very dynamic, says John Barnes, he was always moving, always causing defenders problems. His runs used to create space for the rest of us. He loved shooting and scoring goals, but so much of his work was unselfish. People don't notice it, but when you played with him you did. He would make a run that drew defenders away so you could play the ball into space for someone else. Luther might not have touched the ball in the move, but he played a part in so many goals like that. I hated playing against Luther in training, says Steve Sims. If I could avoid it, I would but I knew it was good for me. There was not a moment's peace. You couldn't just mark him tight and forget about him because he made you run all over the place. He was quick, and he had a change of pace and an ability to change direction that caused you trouble. He was unorthodox, and he missed a few. But so what? Would you prefer a striker who has ten chances in a game and scores twice, or one who makes one chance and scores it? Luther was great to have in the team because he was always an outlet for us. If you played the ball up to him, you knew he could cause the opposition problems while the rest of us got sorted. When Blissett scored the goals to knock Manchester United out of the League Cup in 1978, 
Lou Macari said that Watford would reach the First Division and that Blissett would be the only one to go with them. Macari was not quite right, because Jenkins and Ian Bolton went too. Blissett scored 28 goals that season in Division 3 and was picked to play for the England Under-21 team. Having been born in Jamaica, he was eligible for any of the home nations and turned down an approach from Wales before England came calling. Chances came along less frequently when Watford reached the second division and Blissett was pushed out to the wing when Malcolm Poskett arrived, but he was always in the team. In three seasons in the second division, Blissett missed only two games and that was because he was suspended after being sent off at Newcastle. If you asked Luther to play at centre-half, he'd do it and he'd do his best for the team and the supporters, Graham Taylor once said. There had been the suggestion in 1980 that Watford might cash in on him. There were rumours Aston Villa were interested, but Taylor said, If someone offered half a million for him, we'd probably think about it for a couple of minutes and then turn it down. By the time Watford reached the first division, Blissett was 24, ready to hit his peak. Four goals against Sunderland had Bobby Robson reaching for the phone. Blissett became the first Watford player to represent the senior England team in October 1982 when he replaced Paul Mariner nine minutes from the end of a friendly against West Germany at Wembley. Two months later, he became the first black player to score for England when he hit a hat-trick against Luxembourg in a European Championship qualifier. Blissett scored the fourth, fifth and seven goals in a 9-0 England win. Back at Watford the following day, they were playing five-a-side. Richard Jobson, who had not long arrived from the non-league team Burton Albion, stuck a foot out to tackle Blissett. It was a block tackle, nothing unusual really, but my studs hit the top of his foot and cut him says Jobson. He was a great player, Richard, a real find, but he was awkward to play against, says Sims. Solid and all sharp elbows. Blissett missed the next game against Ipswich Town, and Jobson got the chance to make his debut on the left wing as Taylor moved Barnes into the middle. Luther was the returning hero and I took his place because I'd injured him, Jobson says. That Ipswich game was the only one Blissett missed all season. The goals kept coming, even if the newspapers had dubbed him Luther Missit, claiming he missed two for every one he scored. I'd come to expect it, he says. In the early days, the headlines were Black Flash or Black Bomber, and when those became unacceptable, the tabloids called me Luther Missit. Early in the spring, supporters who regularly watched from the main stand at Vicarage Road might have noticed a pair of Italian gentlemen take their seats. Sometimes they attended together, sometimes only one of them would come. But they were always immaculately dressed. They watched impassively and would leave before the end. They were agents for Milan, and they'd been asked by the club's president, Giuseppe Farina, to find a powerful, robust centre-forward who scored lots of goals and could shake up Italian defences. Milan were not the giants they had been before or would later become. The early 80s was a bleak period in the club's history. Demoted to Syria Bay in 1980, after being implicated in the Totonero match-fixing scandal, they bounced straight back, only to be relegated again, this time because of their poor performances on the pitch. Milan were about to be promoted back to the top flight, and they wanted a replacement for Joe Jordan, the Scottish centre-forward who had done well for them. Blissett scored his 30th league and cup goal of a sensational season in the final game against Liverpool. He was the top scorer in the first division, with 27, and had been selected for England's summer tour to Australia. When he got home, 
he had a call from Graham Taylor. He asked me to go down to the ground to meet him, Blissett says. He told me Milan had made an offer of half a million. It came as a total surprise. Watford had told them they'd have to come up with a million if they wanted to talk seriously. Graham then said to me, So that should be the end of that. Leaving Watford had not crossed my mind at all. I was enjoying things so much. I'd had a great season and we were going into Europe. But once there was some interest, I did start to give it some thought. But I thought they'd be put off by the price. Milan came back and offered Watford a million. Tom Wally says, Graham came to my house one night and he says, Now then, Tom, I've had an offer for Luther of a million pounds. What do you reckon? I said, take it. He'd be mad not to take it, and you couldn't stand in the boy's way. On June the 25th, Graham Taylor, Eddie Plumley and Blissett met with Milan's agents at the Ladbrook Hotel on Elton Way. Graham and I had tickets for the World Cup cricket final at Lord's, says Plumley. We were looking forward to the cricket because we both loved the sport. Graham said, It looks like we've got a meeting tomorrow morning. I said, Well, make it as early as you can so we can get to the cricket. We didn't really know who we were dealing with. A local Italian restaurateur was involved as some kind of go-between, and there were two Italian guys who came along. They said they were representing Milan, but we didn't have much more to go on than that. It was the hottest day of the summer, says Blissett. We were in this little room with no air conditioning, and I hardly said anything. They had an agent with them. I had to get an agent, and they spent most of the time talking about money. The only things they said to me were about how they were going to make sure I settled in quickly, and how they'd make me feel at home. The talks went on for hours. Milan's agents were reluctant to pay a million pounds up front. We got there at about 10am, and we were still there at 4pm, says Plumley. They were trying to offer half now and half later, but we stuck to our guns. We wanted a million pounds, and we wanted it there and then. Eventually they agreed, but even then we knew that saying it and actually doing it might be two different things. Blissett agreed a three-year contract and a significant pay rise, far more than any club in England was likely to pay. The money wasn't the main motivating factor, although it turned out to be the most I earned in a year, says Blissett. If I was going to leave Watford, I wanted to experience something completely new, and I thought playing in Italy would help me develop as a player and as an international. I didn't know an awful lot about what I was going to find. It was a big club, a famous club, but it was not a Milan side of the calibre that had won the European Cup in the past. They were coming back up from Serie B, and they didn't have the quality in the team that they have today. After shaking hands on the deal, Blissett arranged to travel to Italy to sign the contract. The Italians left the room, leaving Plumley, Taylor and Blissett together, exhausted from a long, hot day of negotiations. The three of us hugged, and yes, we cried. There were a few tears, says Plumley. Graham shook Luther's hand and wished him all the best. They promised to keep in touch, and Graham vowed to travel over to watch Luther play. I mean, it was a very emotional moment. It felt like we were losing a son. It really did. Luther had been there from the fourth division days, and he was so popular and likeable, it was a shock when it sank in that he was leaving. Rumours that Blissett had talked to Milan reached the press, but Watford denied them until the contract was tied up. Plumley flew to Milan with Blissett to complete the deal and sign the contract. Thousands of Milan fans were waiting for him at Linate Airport. We flew back and waited, says Plumley. 
we wouldn't release his registration until we'd banked the money. Watford's supporters were stunned, but the great majority accepted that Blissett had to accept the challenge of playing in what was then considered the best league in the world. Watford had a million pounds to play with, and first refusal, should Blissett leave Milan. But he would be a tough act to follow, not just on the pitch. You never had to motivate Luther, says Graham Taylor. As a manager, you sometimes need a lift yourself, and Luther was someone who was always so positive. He trained extremely hard. You never had to have a go at him about putting the effort in. He took on board what we were trying to do, and he added to that. He was always trying to improve himself, and he lived like a professional, so you could point to him as an example for younger players. We knew we were going to miss Luther, says Steve Sherwood. He was so bubbly. You'd hear his laughter from down the corridor, and it would put a smile on your face. End of chapter 13 Next time, Europe beckons as Watford head off on the adventure of a lifetime. <laughs>